shots on the beat, boy. Accent made this. Welcome back to the Value Adds Value podcast with Kyle Krieger and Wilkie Law, where we're sharing inspiring stories of educators just like yourself, helping you to develop your craft and sharpen your tools to become the teacher your students deserve. This is the Value Adds Value podcast. Let's jump into this next episode. Here we are. March 18th. Um... We uh, are now both on distance learning. Oh, yeah, we're both on. Um, I heard someone make a comment the other day on the news about martial law and had to go into a whole spiel about how this is not martial law. <laughs> this is public suggestion, you know. Well, you got a curfew. I say you have a cur- cur- curfew during, during natural, natural disasters like hurricanes and things like that we put curfews in a place but when i think of martial law i always see those scenes from movies where there's literally like tanks driving down city streets and right occupation government occupation yeah i mean that's not it i mean they're like and i was talking to my friends last night and i was like even in italy where they're on like real lockdown pharmacies are still open grocery stores are still open you know like the essential stuff is still open but like yeah you know what yeah you can't go to bars you can't go to church you can't go to the gym you know it's it's in it's inconvenient that's the best way to describe it right now is it's inconvenient but you know, I, I really struggle. And you and I talked about this the other day. I really struggled like Sunday. I just had a lot of anxiety. But then I sort of got to that moment when I was in bed Sunday night. I was like, if you turn your focus out and look for people you can help, it's really hard to be worried about yourself or to feel bad when you're helping other people. And that's just really where I've gotten to. And I think coming back, you know, we... With everything going on, we didn't drop a podcast Sunday. This is going to drop on a Wednesday. But really looking back, I I think that's where I turned the corner was to be able to sit here and say, you know, there's a lot I can do to help people. And it's, uh, I mean, I guess the best way to describe the initial start to distance learning is it's it's inconvenient. Well, you know, I can't even say that. I have to be honest with you and say, I feel prepared. I feel prepared. Um, last year, uh, opening up the new school, new principal, uh, Marcus Pruitt, big shout out to my principal, man. This dude, if if I had to become a principal, I, I have a great example, I feel, right now of how to lead people. Um, and, and, and I say that in, in, in with all kindness because, you know, great leadership teaches you things you should do, things you shouldn't do. Uh, routes you can take, measures you can take. Um, it prepares you for, it prepares your people for what's being, what's going on and the experience that they're going into. And um, he's a good one. But last year, uh, he told us this statement, we have to get ready for what's coming. This is what he said last year. Almost prophetic when you think about it. Excuse me. He said, 
distance learning is is going to become a reality. Everybody's going to need to know how to use that technology, get comfortable with it. And he said, we cannot continue to teach Wi-Fi kids with landline strategies. And so we, I adopted that. You know, I brought that to you, and it just kind of just blew my mind. I'm like, yes, let's roll, let's go get it. Um, <clears throat> so I really shifted. My classroom itself had already turned into almost a 50-50 hybrid, you know, between online and face-to-face. Now, I am anxious to do like a Zoom or a meeting with, with my students, to actually have students online at the same time. Like, I, I'm craving that right now, uh, just to be able to make contact with them and, and have a conversation with them that I think will be a little different. Um, but for now, like as far as providing guidance for this is what you should do at home, you know, make sure you're reading. Uh, make sure you're in your math pro. Like I personally had already a Monday morning, I assigned work, even though we were we weren't going to school. Uh, we were told we weren't told to do it or not to do it. I just went ahead and did it. Email my parents. That's on you know Class Dojo again, another online platform to inform to let parents know. Hey, this is what we're offering. Um, go to the, have your students log in. They can go do this. Boom, 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 boom. And I laid it out, complete this, 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 and gave them three tasks. Because um, <clears throat> I figured they want you to get two, three grades a, a week. Let's go ahead, knock it out. I can get three right now real quick. Um, and so I think being that I'm a teacher who who has been prompted and almost kind of <laughs> prodded into the idea and the notion of get away from worksheets, get away from you having to be that sage on the stage, so to speak, and put the responsibility of learning in your students' hands. Now it's just a matter of the parents providing an opportunity for students to, during this time, to have that time to go into the, to, to set aside that explicit time for my studies. Because if that happens, and then again, this is a true partnership now, because now, here we are tasking parents with making sure, did you go on? Did you do this? Have you completed that? Which holds the kid responsible for their own learning, which is the exact same thing that we're trying to do anyway. You know what I mean? So I, I think when, when it all happened, um, I wasn't surprised, again, watching how they did it in China, looking how Italy responded to it, uh, and what helped. How did they curtail it? Um, making that shift only says now uh, you know another great analogy is that we're flying and we're still putting parts of our ship together you you jump you, you jump off the cliff and you're assembling your parachute at, on the way down I'm, I'm still buckling in you know and, and 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 it's not ideal but it's not impossible you know I, I totally agree on the technology side because I'm I've been a proponent of technology, especially when it comes to our um, in terms of putting things out. Uh, our relationship with Nearpod, I think, is is really helpful right now to be able to put certain things out to my students that way. And it sounds like we're moving to Google Classroom if there's an extended 
So our situation is we have sent materials out to our kids for the next two weeks. We will have spring break the following week. And if the if distance learning should extend past there, it sounds like we're going to move to Google Classroom, uh, which I think is something that, like you said, it it doesn't scare me. I think it's important, um, and I and I feel very prepared to do that academically. But I guess a question I would have for you on the broader sense is: we want to take we want to take grades. We want to take you know, hold kids accountable and make sure they're responsible. But like, we always try to to adapt to a kid's situation. So, how are we adapting to the to the more challenging situation of knowing that some of our kids, especially when we teach middle school, are spending you know, the majority of their day babysitting younger siblings. Or again, I, I think it falls down to again putting putting that responsibility on back on the parent to make sure again that each child has that time set aside. Your time set aside for your studies may be different because you have to be, you know, to man up and say, okay, I have to make sure my brothers and sisters are are on task also, which again, not ideal, but not impossible. You know, this, this requires a true parent teacher relationship, parent teacher student relationship, like we've never seen before in education. Well, I'm going to take that back. Yes, we have seen it just not under these conditions. You know, because when I was in school, I felt like my mother was a partner in my learning. Uh, she knew all of my teachers. She was she was active in the PTA. Um, you know, she she went to meetings consistently for the not only for the campus but for the district. Um, because at this point, you got to remember she had a she had children in elementary school, middle school, and high school all at the same time. You know, following the same feeder pattern. Uh, it wasn't until I got into seventh grade that I moved and my mom, you know, right after my parents divorced, my um, my mom, now she's out of the home, so she's not as active. And that's kind of when I started, you know, now hindsight's twenty twenty. That's when I, it started to spiral for me. Um, but again, that partnership was still there with within the learning process. And I feel right now a lot of parents just send their kids to school. You know, almost as if, you know, I, I hate I hate to hear people use the term, but like you're you're child you're a child care worker. Uh and yes we are in the child care industry. We're also in the education industry. So this is not just a daycare where you're just trusting us. This is a community of thinkers and learners that we need you to come in with your kid. So when your kid comes in, you they understand, like we do, that we're all partners in this. We all have equal stake in it. And I think, again, this time it's calling for us to be, um, to take those partnerships seriously. You know, and I speak both as a parent and as a teacher. You know, I'm making sure that my daughter, hey, make sure you get online, see if your teacher sent you any assignments. 
you know, her cousins who's who's here with us, go online. You can use one of the computers here. There's one of the five in a tablet. Find something, get on there, and make sure that you're doing it. And I think that that <clears throat> that setting aside a time to do specific things is what makes it's going to make or break the situation. It can't be haphazardly. You know, we have office hours. Our office hours are Monday through Friday from eight to four thirty. And we have to make ourselves available. We have conference calls twice a week uh, with our department, plus an, an additional conference call for those who are in leadership. So, so we're not just—they're not just saying, "Oh, hey, go take a vacation," or, you know, take this time to do this and do that. Yes, it's unfortunate, but you're still getting paid to do a job, and that job still has to be done. Now, here's the test: Can you adapt what you do to do something different to still get the same results? You know, I think about the story in the Bible when they talk about the children of Israel when they were building the pyramids and the the Pharaoh got mad at them and he took away the straw, which they used to make the, the blocks stronger. He said, now let me see you make concrete with no straw. And they were able to do it without problem and without skipping a beat because they adapted to the new situation. You take it away. Now we're going to figure out a new way to do it, and we're going to still do it just as masterfully. That's the type of people that we have to be right now. Yeah, man. And it's it's so strange, you know, because there's, there, I mean, there have been so many funny memes out there and so many people on Twitter talking about how, like, like Shonda Rhimes, the lady who, you know, was the writer of the show Grey's Anatomy and Scandal. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Put something like I've been a homeschool teacher for an hour and a half, and I'm convinced that teachers deserve a billion dollars a year or a week. Oh man, it's gonna do great for the industry, man. I promise you. I, I told them <laughs> I had a chance. We did the Zoom call yesterday with with my team, and um, you know it was so good just seeing our team, people that you that you've worked alongside with for a while. Uh, and I said uh, we're in a group chat, and I said to them, I said parent-teacher conference is going to hit a little differently next year. They're definitely going to hit. A new appreciation for what we really do. And, mm -hmm. and you know, it's you never want something like this to happen, to have to prove the value of, I mean, but, like, it's not just us as teachers. Like, think about what healthcare workers, nurses, you know, these people who, you know, nurses – I mean, nurses probably go on strike as, as much as as teachers, if not more. I mean, they're also an undervalued population of people in our country. You know, and now we're in a position where everybody's going to be like, wow, that's, that's what happens when you close schools. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You know, so... <sighs> I wrote a question down here a little bit ago is now let's let's take our hats off as just classroom teachers you and I because I think you and I both know what we should do and what we can do and what we can do to support our teams that we teach on but let's talk about Kyle and Wilkie as founders of a nonprofit called Lighthouse Educator Development what what can we do over these next couple months what can we share? How can we help 
teachers and students out there, you know, how, how can we fit the mission of helping teachers right now be what their students deserve? I think being bold enough to be a voice uh, that cries out, it's going to be okay in a world that's saying, it's not going to be okay. Grab all the toilet paper you can. You know what I mean? <laughs> it's okay to be that voice that's calm, that that that's seeking to gain understanding from the situation versus trying to instantly go into interpreting the situation. Um, because in interpretation, you can't start to interpret something until you first understand it. If you start speaking French to me right now, the fr I can't just interpret it and say, oh, I know what you're doing. No, I have to understand the nuances of the language before the interpretation comes. Interpretation is a sophisticated form of understanding. It's to be able to take something in and be able to put out that exact meaning, the exact thing that you're doing, that you're saying. I have to be able to compute that. So that's interpretation. Understanding is I understand the nuances of what makes it what. I don't have to know Spanish as fluently because I know so much of the nuances of the language that my context clues can work really well and I can piecemeal together what you're saying to me. You know what I mean? So in, in that say, can I sit back if someone says something and, and me interpret it and then say what you mean by saying it? I don't have that understanding. So I think that that's what we have to give right now and be able to help other people become more consciously observant of what we're doing and what this time calls for. Uh, is it stressful? Yes. Diamonds are made under stress, you know, and we know what people will do for diamonds. Um, you know, is it, is, it, uh, is it applying pressure to our craft? Yeah, but again, we knew that this was coming down the pipe. We knew it. Like, you, you can't expect for our, a community to embrace technology the way we have, you know, in this 21st century. <clears throat> I heard someone talking about the difference, like the, the time frame between when man flew the first manned flight into the air was in 1915 1916 no okay. no 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 a little earlier than that or let's just say early 1900s early 1900s and the time that man went to the moon 1968 so you're looking at a span of 50 or 60 years Right? Yep. 50 or 60 years. You go from horse and buggy. Well, let's say horse and buggy. Because during that 19, early 1900s, they were still horse and buggies. You know, to 60 years later, you're on the moon. So the, so the Wright Brothers' first flight was 1903. 1903. We landed on the moon in 1969, so 66 years. The 66 years. First car. First 
Looks like Ford Model T. Well, the first ever car yeah. or theoretical like that was in 1885, but Ford for 1885. Yep, that and was like the first gasoline-powered automobile. Now it probably didn't look like um, the Model T came out in 1908. So again, look around that time frame. This is what's being there. There had to be so many adaptations that that had to be created and made from each one. This is one of those. Do I think we're going to go completely to a complete distance learning program? No, uh, but I do think it will revolutionize what teachers are able to do in the classroom because now you can change your classroom because I can say, you know what? Today, when you come to class, all you're going to do is read. When you go home tonight, we're going to do a math lesson if I'm an elementary school teacher. And I can really focus an entire day on, on just reading, which we both know, you know, for both of us, it's almost therapeutic to read um, and to gain that information that you would otherwise not get. But you could create little pockets of, of, of uh, little book studies within the classroom where you have constant projects going on with what's being learned. And it's not just kids digesting information. It's kids learning, again, to interpret what learning looks like. I can tell you what learning looks like. And I think that this is what a time like now is calling for. And I could say... Ideal? No. Impossible? No. We're going to do this. And as you said before we came on, we're going to thrive at it. I think, I think, like, I want to come back to the thriving point in a second, but, you know, some people at my school yesterday were asking me about, you know, because I teach at a classical charter school. Mm-hmm. So there is sort of this very, like, we do the classic things at work, which I'm totally a fan of. And you and I both think there are, there, there are reasons and structure. you know, there's a reason why this has worked for thousands of years. There are certain things in education that just work, but on the same token, some friends were talking about like, well, do you think this means we'll go all digital? And I'm like, I said, no, because you have said it. We have said it. If you go back to the earliest episodes of this podcast three and a half years ago, we said from the beginning, there is literally nothing on in the educational realm that could ever replace the, rela- the relationship between a teacher and a student. And I think this time is really also putting us in a position to really make that relationship important. And yes, it's difficult. It's more, I think it's more difficult for us to have a digital relationship with a kid because it's not our norm. But we're really being forced into their world. I mean, because even the, even the relationships that they have in person with people still have a digital aspect. Mm-hmm. And we're, you know, we're really being put into their world. And, you know, there are tons of... Well, we're not being put into their world. This is the world that we're in. Yeah, you're right. This is the world that we're in. And and, and when you think about it, either you're you're adapting and changing 
or you die. Adapt or die. And so I wrote down while you were talking, why is it important to adapt education? As Edna, you know, I've been in school for the past five years. I did the math the other day. I wanted to be like uh, past 19 years. It feels that way, man. Um, but for the last five years straight, I've been in school. Um, and, and I think that my experience with the online university, because again, watching the commercials, I was always very skeptical. There's no way their learning can really take place there. That they're, they're, You're just paying for a degree and, you know, oh, you just pay them the money as long as you do that. No, you can pay them the money and still fail. Uh, <laughs> the idea behind it is when you're put in a position to where you have the opportunity to do it at your own pace and on your own kind of setting your own schedule, it forces you to be responsible, but also it takes you to be put to the whole responsibility of the learning. Hey guys, just a quick question. How can we help you become the teacher your students deserve? Please, please reach out to us. Follow us on social media at Value Adds Value. Go to our website, thelepproject.com, or send Wilkie or I an email and let us know what we can do to help you become the teacher your kids deserve. And if you don't mind, while you're at it, hit the subscribe button, share this podcast out, and help us reach more teachers to help them become the teacher, their kids deserve. Now, back to the podcast. In your hands. Completely. So, the digital platform, the digital space, using technology, adapting education. Again, you said it, adapt or die. Adapt or die. And I think education has gotten so stagnant because there are those people who have proven successful with a tried and true methodology. And they just never, ever wanted to change it. They never wanted to see what else you could do. You know, one of the things I really love, love about CrossFit is like once you get good at doing something else, Good, good at one thing. You think, oh, I got a burpee down, or I got a mountain climber down. Let's say we're starting out small. You got a you got a plank down, and you can hold the plank, and you're in it. Then they add in. Now let's put a movement with it. We're doing a mountain climber. Go see now. Let's 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 throw in a, a jumping jack, a, a a mountain climber, two mountain climbers, and and a plank, and do that again. Now we're gonna throw in a, running down here to grab the sandbag bringing it back down here, throwing it down, doing a burpee. Do you know what I mean? So each time your body has to adapt and change to the different movements that you're doing. And those are the challenges we're being thrown at right now. We're being thrown those same challenges. You know, Mr. Pruitt yesterday in our conference kept saying, guys, this is fluid. Like we're literally, we're in the mix right now. And, and 
And so don't don't be mad when information seems spotty or, you know, like we didn't find out that we were going out till April 10th until he said they didn't find out until the day before. Like they, the day before they had discussed something totally different. And then all of a sudden it drops on the news. Yep. Yep. We're closing completely. Well, that's I mean, that's the same thing. We talked this past Friday. I talked mm-hmm. to you and I said, like. The Minnesota Department of Health is saying that the best thing we can do right now is keep schools open. For and then by by the uh, the next day, Saturday, mm-hmm. they announced that the governor was going to have a press conference discussing education. So at that point, you know they're going to close at least to some degree. Mm-hmm. You know, and th- and that's like us. They're you know when the CDC announces like in order to really make this an effective measure, this restricted you know, social distancing or whatever we're calling it, it is going to take four to eight weeks for it to really make an impact. Mm-hmm. And the difficult part about the whole situation is there's so little we know about the coronavirus. And there's, you know, so, so much we're learning. But, you know, I I was just thinking about this too. Like a couple of times a day, me and you should link up and just do an Instagram live and we'll, We'll talk to both sets of our kids because I've done that the last two days and I've had four or five kids come on both days and just talk with them. You know, you're right because I I even had a parent message me through Instagram live. Um, I mean, that's Instagram through uh, DM, uh, sliding my DMs about schoolwork (laughs) and I loved it. You know, every, like it happened last year and every time it happens, you know, I think about, you know, people are oh, sliding your DMs, you know, but then it's like, okay, now let me show you how you can slide into your DM and, and, and it actually is appropriate and effective means of communications with mm-hmm. communicating with people and not living your life as a spammer. You know, I, 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 I'm, that's something even, you know, I talked with my kids about, you know, being who you are when you're online. Just because you're online doesn't mean that you're a different person. You know, you bring out your 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 alter ego because you're online and think that that's okay. Mm-hmm. And um, but you know, it, it's just I think as educators we've gotten comfortable, and I think the community saw that as contempt. And I think now the community as well as, you know, both inside the school and outside the school um, is getting a real good dose of, of. What do you mean by contempt? Say, say what you just said. The community, the community has got. We've gotten so comfortable as educators, the kind of plug and go lesson planning. The kind of plug and go, we walk in the building, we know exactly what we're going to do. We're going to do the exact same thing every day. We've gotten so comfortable with what we do. We have our pre-prepared, our pre our canned lessons that we go in and we teach just to get a paycheck. Yep. And yep. Okay. we've gotten so comfortable with it. But the community didn't see it as comfortable because the community has never, ever seen what we do on a scale well, they haven't seen it from the other side. They see t- education from this is what my teachers did. This is what I saw and what I thought of my teachers. 
Yep. But they never knew what that really. You don't know what that's like until you're in the saddle. <laughs> you know, you can say, "Oh, teaching looks easy." You know, you go to school all day. It can't, it can't be that hard to get twenty five kids to come in and sit down and do work. It can't be. Not twelve, thirteen year olds, <laughs> and to get along with each other. <laughs> but, and I think that that. The fact that education was not morphing, the fact that educators were not uh, changing their methodologies and parents saw that as contempt. Like, how dare you try to teach my child the same way that I learned when I know I can't deal with my child the same way that my parents dealt with me? It's not effective. And I totally see. And when you said contempt, I thought it was the other way around to where there's contempt i think there's also contempt in education for people who want to change things Mm. like there are there's some contempt for people who are changers because the system is so set and you also you know deal with parents who are saying you know why aren't you just teaching the way it worked when you're trying to do things that are different i mean and Mm -hmm. even even kids do that like when I went, I went in there and, and the guy that taught, you know, the guy that teaches seventh grade at my school is very, he's a storyteller. So he gets up there and stands in front of the class and spins it and the kids are taking notes and that's his vibe. That's not my vibe. Like I think project-based learning and not like a full project-based learning class, but like through projects we can do the same thing. Like, I think it's important for you to take notes based on things you read and things you find on the internet, not just what I've told you is important. Mm-hmm. But it, 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 I go back when you, when you were saying it, uh, that, you know, you have both sides of the coin with parents, as far as when you're trying to be that trailblazer, you know, and I go back to the Tupac song blasphemy when he says, no, people going to hate you for whatever you do. You know, um, and so, and I'm, I'm going to take a word from, from Hamish Brewer who says, I'd rather down the sword of my own words than to say something that's not true to me. And so, I think that goes true for our teaching styles and our teaching methodology. I know I wouldn't want a doctor to speak medicine. Would you want a doctor who had not sat in front of coursework or materials or literature since the day he got uh, certified and confirmed as a doctor? He got his degree in 1978, albeit maybe Harvard University. But he, he's never touched another journal, another manual, went to another seminar, sat through another class to learn another procedure that's going to help advance medicine. Do I really want that same person doing that to me now? Yeah, you may have delivered me when I was a baby, but that was in 1974. A lot has changed. And if you have not shifted from 1974 to 2000. And, and 20, to do something different, there's a problem. And education has been that way 
for hundreds of years. You said it yourself. This is an entity that's been around since since man. You know, but and you think about the first learning style, first classrooms were sitting around a fire, telling stories of the hunt. And then taking you know, taking people out on the hunt and letting them watch and learn by observation. But you don't learn by observation until you've heard the story. The story had a place. The story set the vibe and set the tone so that when you go out here, you're, you're already looking. Because when they tell the story, they're telling you this happened. And as a little kid, you're into it. Then all of a sudden you hear this part. So when you go out there, you're already on high alert. Why? Because you heard an auditory story. You saw the gestures of what was going on. You felt that experience. So now when you go out just to observe, you're conscious of it. You know, and, you know, I was talking with some friends last night and I said, you know, our kids have really been practicing for quarantine their entire lives. Now they're bored. They're also getting an appreciation for what school is. Think about it. What do most kids do when they get home? Man, what you going to do? I'm going to jump on this game, uh, jump online, you know, do a couple of TikToks. You know, that, that that's their vibe. Every day, they would, if you would ask kids, I'll do that every day. I'll stay home every day and do that. But guess what? They've been home for a week and I know my daughter a week and a couple of days. We're just Tuesday here. No, it's Wednesday now. Today's just Wednesday. And they're, they're, they're kind of stir crazy. You know, it's not, oh, I want to be on my device all the time. It's, let's go walk. Let's go walk around a reservoir. Let's, let's do this. We've done our homework. We've done this. So again, I think across the board, an appreciation for what the 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 of what the schools bring to the community, I think is going to have a greater sense of appreciation moving forward. And um, and I, I say I see a, I see a positive coming out of it. Oh, for sure. So so to wrap this up, bring it in for a landing. How do we break free from that mindset of we're going to just try to get through? And really start to get into the mindset of no, we can, we we won't we we won't thrive always, but we can thrive during this time. I think the the, the shift has to be the same shift that I hear all the time from third world countries. Um, when you talk to people who, you know, we were in Jamaica, we were talking to some of the kids uh, in St. Martin. And I think that when you think of um, shifting your mindset to this is what I have to do, to this is what I get to do. Um, I get to add new tools to my tool belt. You know, I, I, I get to learn another way to connect with my kids. I, I get to understand how to, how, to, how to use my time effectively. Something we try to teach kids, but because we're so set on the time schedule at school, we don't ever get an opportunity to say, you know, what does that look like in a different situation? Can you transfer that knowledge for what you would do in your classroom? to what you do in your personal. And I think that that 
hitting that switch between, oh, I have to go do this too. No, I get to do this. I get to wake up every morning. You know, I look at it as I pulled out my kettlebell and my, uh, my, uh, um, my mace, my steel mace. And it's like, Hey, you know, I get to, I get to get me a workout in with, with my computer right there, you know, monitoring kids, commenting on assignments. I talking with colleagues, building lessons, you know, coming up with ideas for this. So again, it's, it's shifting your mind from, I have to do this to I get to do it. And I think that that's what, that's what's going to be the difference in, in whether or not you thrive. People don't thrive typically when you, oh, I have to do this. I, I, I have to do this could have two intentions. You could say, I have to do this, so I'm going to go get it done. Or I have to do this, I'm just going to check the boxes to make sure that did I did I get online for ten minutes? Yes. Did I feed, provide students feedback? Yes. Did I do instructional videos? Yes. Okay, done. Versus me actually looking at it and saying, <clears throat> "How can I take this situation and create a learning experience for my kids that's going to be meaningful, impactful, and lasting?" And that, that's how I think you make that shift. Meaningful, impactful, and lasting. I I love that. So, um, I do love the idea though of doing a, a Instagram live with you sometime during the day. Like, just meeting up. Your kids can jump on and ask some questions. My kids can jump on and ask some questions. We'll go. We'll go across the country and just rap a little bit. And because you know, I think it's interesting. I, I would love to do that because I, even you think now. Really, we have not even yet heard from teachers. Uh, I did catch um, Stacy's, uh, Stephanie um, Edmonds, Edmonds, uh, her YouTube. I caught you. I, I saw you on there. Um, but um, I think it's. Um, I think we need to hear from our students. I think it would be great to give them a voice to. Um, to say what's what's going on and how they feel. Um, actually, I think I'm going to put that in my assignment and just see. I'm going to try to set up a Zoom for today for any kids who who want to do a face to face, and just share share the link out with kids or parents and just share it out to all of them and say, Hey, look, if you're interested in and just jumping on and just having a conversation, let's talk. Let me write that on my list. That is a must do. And again, I, it, we're, <laughs> it'll be great because again, I'm going to do it in the midst of my my day to day. I'm going to get my my two little nieces over here, uh, and they're five and three, so they can see that it's not it's not easy to to parent and teach at the same time. Uh, but again, carving time out for the things that matter most. And for so long, we kept pushing school. School, 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 and kids, again, that was too comfortable for parents. You got to go to school. You're not staying home. You got to go to school. When school was just a building 
What was most important is the learning. The learning experience was what most important. I think that that was cheapened because of school. And so now providing learning experience that are meaningful so that when we get back to the school, again, man, I keep saying, I think this is going to change the shape and face of the educational landscape. Yeah, I agree 100%. So I think we're going to wrap this podcast episode up. And I think we're going to have to continue to talk, Wilkie, you and I, about what what the podcast can be over this time. And if we need to start doing a little more on the podcast, if we need to start doing things that are a little different and maybe doing some podcasts with our kids or podcasts out to kids. It's just an incredible opportunity that, you know, like you said, now kind of all bets are off and we're just in a spot where we're doing the best we can for our kids. Mm -hmm. So any last uh, point you want to put out, we're going to throw this down on the podcast here in just a few minutes. And Mm. for anybody that's listening, teachers, parents, students, education stakeholders, um, Just be smart. Um, the the tendency will be to kind of downplay this as, you know, I've heard all ends government conspiracy to, um, um, uh, oh, it's not a big deal. All the way to, you know, before we left, some of my students were like, oh, I'm not worried about it because black people can't get coronavirus. That's what they say. Um, I've heard it all, but at the end of the day, it's a virus that is preventable. It's a, it's a virus that is beatable. Uh, the human body is amazing in how it creates its own medicine if we allow it. Uh, so I just want to encourage everybody to stay smart, uh, stay sanitized, you know, Make sure you're showering, uh, especially when you come in and out, if you have to go out in the public. Um, you know, this is allergy season right now, so little tickles in my throat and the sneezing, you know, sometimes makes like, oh, my God, you know, I, I'm unclean, you know, and you're constantly doing this. But, again, when you know that, keep sanitizer near you. Constantly wash your hands several times a day um, and just stay hydrated. Stay hydrated. Stay hydrated. Stay hydrated and stay active. I got, uh, I got that, uh, that zinc, that zinc life and vitamin C. Man, we're on it. We're on it too. And it, it, I mean, again, anything to do boost up our immune system. And one thing that tears our immune system down is stress. Stress beats your your immune system to the point to where it does not work. It will not work, and then it actually it'll start fighting against you. So we have to make sure that we're 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 staying safe, we're staying sanitized, we're staying sane, and we're keeping the stress out of our life so that we can actually be a benefit not only to ourselves but the people we love. Mm-hmm. Um, use this time, you know. My sister joked about when well, I joked, but she mentioned that 
one of the things that she had been talking with her coworkers about is that we've gotten so away from family. We've gotten so far away from, from spending time. It's always, I'm dropping you off here. I'm picking you up here. We're going home. We eat. And then we go to bed. And then we rinse and repeat through the next day. Now this forces us to have some family time. This forces us to have that family time. Yeah, it forces me to spend time on my mobility and my flexibility. And, you know, I've got extra time to get in extra fitness. So, you know, that... I'm going to look shredded for my wedding. Yeah, man. I'm I'm ready for that one. Yeah. So, and for all the teachers out there, if you're listening to this and there's anything you need, now is the time to reach out. And that's the other thing. The resources you need as a teacher are there. Mm -hmm. And we can point you in the direction of almost 200 people that we've talked to that have resources available. Every educational company is doing their part so um please reach out and let us know if you need anything but we're gonna sign off from this episode of value adds value before we get started on this episode everybody we want to take a chance to talk to you about a platform and a company that we believe in and that's nearpod Now, we've had a relationship with Nearpod for over a year now, and it is by far the best educational platform we've ever used. What Nearpod is, is a presentation and engagement tool that you can use with your students. The things we love about it is you can create lessons that can either be paced by you, the teacher, or you can create lessons that allow your students to work at their own pace, and it's interactive and one thing they've just added that makes it so much easier is it can integrate with google slides and focus so if you want to try nearpod for free go to this website go.nearpod.com backslash value adds value that's go.nearpod.com backslash value adds value to try nearpod for free